So that's where the mismatch is. If one partner is all about growth and what's next and the other mm-hmm. one is stay the course, mm-hmm. the one who's always about the what's next tends to carry the burden of is this relationship going anywhere because they're growing past it. I'll have what she's having. Welcome to another edition of Digital Confidence Podcast. Welcome back to the show. This is the She Talks Confidence Podcast. Of course, I'm Tony, your host. It's about women. It's about confidence. And today, an incredibly special guest, Kareen Walsh. Kareen, how are you? I'm great, Tony. Thanks for having me today. Your CV is so lengthy, so extensive. You got so many irons in the fire, so accomplished. But we're going to talk on one kind of specific thing that you brought up, but I think is an incredibly powerful concept for women. You've got KareenWalsh.com is your main gig. You also have Hey Kareen, which is your coaching, HeyKareen.com. And you also do breath work as well. If you can give a brief summary in terms of how you got to where you are in terms of developing into it from a women confident developing business standpoint. And then I would like to talk about something you brought up, a concept which I think is really powerful. It's an exit strategy. Should you or could you develop an exit strategy when it comes to relationships? Exit strategies, I think, are what got me to where I am today. Because if you don't know how to leave something, you don't know how to lead it, right? Like it, it became this concept of mine of if you're able to visualize what leaving it would be, then it actually shows up in the actions you take while you're in it. And I know this is such a very abstract concept, but I can literally recount every single time I hit an obstacle or sitting in overwhelm or almost like a disgust with my situation. Immediately, I had to visualize my exit. I had to visualize what else could this be? Where else could I go? So exit doesn't mean abandonment. I just want to be clear on that. But exiting strategies are something that in business we talk about all the time. Are you trying to sell your company? Are you trying to partner with someone? Do you want to let it die with you? These are all exit strategies that then you build your business upon. So why not lead your life and relationships that way? I never thought like through the 900 years and 50 million classes that I've been to, I never really thought about implementing an exit or having an exit strategy in a relationship. Because the first thing, and we talked about this before the show, the first thing I thought was, if you have that, or you think about that in a relationship, then that means you're like one foot out the door. Or are you like setting yourself up for that to happen regardless of how good the relationship is? Yeah, well, also, if you start to think about how would you exit this, it actually makes it clearer, do you really want to be in it? It is also a checkpoint. For example, if you're about to walk down the aisle and you're starting a marriage and you're thinking, oh, if this doesn't work out, we could just get divorced. You already have an an underlining exit strategy in mind, but are you going to lead within this marital commitment with everything you have going for it if your scapegoat is divorce. There, there are so many ways that, and I love how you said it too, it just brings you this extra layer of clarity on this is it. This is 
why I'm in it because I want to leave it this way. And the ultimate right. exit and strategy it, for all of us is death, right? That right. is the thing where it's, you get to choose what happens until that point. It's really critical. An exit strategy can also mean highly investable. It can mean we have accomplished so much that on my deathbed, I am so proud of the relationship I have and how deeply committed I was and all the legacy we're leaving behind. And it's still an exit strategy. Hmm. It doesn't mean abandonment. It doesn't exit strategies do not mean leaving someone. It means leaving the thing that's no longer working for you and creating what does, you know what I mean? So what you were talking about around, I was journaling the other day. It's one of my daily habits and I write and I, I make sure that I'm connecting with self and it's, there's no such thing as unconditional love. And if someone is telling you it's unconditional, then you are literally giving away all your conditions, which are, which, what makes you whole, which makes you have boundaries, which makes you connect deeper to other people knowing you is because you say, I like this and I don't like this, or I want this and I don't want that. You better have conditions on how to be in relations with others, but also the condition of what it means to leave if it's not a fit and also the condition to make it even sweeter, even better, even like more juicy unconditional love it sets people up it's yeah. not something to strive for it's a, in order to have a level of or to keep a level of your own identity in a relationship because a relationship is not about meshing two identities it's about keeping your identity creating a bubble with both of yours in there and then creating a third entity which is called the relationship yeah and the, and with that I totally 100% agree in terms of there has to be some level of conditional based upon you keeping your identity and yeah. your and your level of empowerment on that. And your well being. Yeah. Like 100%, the, the yeah. solid truth in self. Like when you are starting to compromise the truth of how you feel about you in order to have a relationship with another, whether it's in business with your clients, your loved ones, whether it's your children, your partner, your parents, like whatever that is, if you're losing that sense of self, then you literally are on the path to abandoning yourself, like it's a form of abandonment, whether it's abandoning yourself or abandoning the other person because it's breaking you down. And I think it's really critical to, to see the signs of that. And why I bring up this topic around exit strategies is that we are taught to endure and it's, yeah, I can endure a lot. My threshold for pain, hella high. Yeah. I can endure a lot. Yep. But what I realized is that the cycle became smaller and smaller as I released and exited my role as a people pleaser and became more confident in who I choose to be and how I choose to show up because I will always add value in whatever room I walk into. So I just try to make sure that now more than ever, my stance around who I surround myself with, what I engage with and where I want to take it the exit strategy is also inclusive of not exiting yourself in the process. <laughs> I love the fact that you just said, and it's because it's, of course, in business, you're always thinking, you're always thinking it, of it in terms of exiting the business, right? Like the whole thing, right? right? But what you just said, the nuance to drop it down a little bit lower or looking at it more layered, you exit the role of. Which goes right into that whole thing of being a role of the people pleaser or being role of the peacemaker or the role of the person that always gives in or puts up with crap that you should not be putting up with. 
Yeah, right? the because role you, you f- never wanted to play in the first place. So it's, you, unfortunately, yes, because you're in the psychology game, it's like we have to form our identity going through some shit. If we don't go through it, we don't know who we are. And right. it's a matter of knowing, though, just taking that confidence and self that you can exit that. You can try something else on if it no longer fits you. And in my coaching practice, I'm always talking to my clients of just let it go. What would it feel like to let it go? We keep talking about the same thing. What if that didn't exist anymore? What could it be? And start dreaming about the what's next. Then you dream super big. Okay, now who do you have to become to lead it? That's one of my number one questions to ask because it means we got to let go of some stuff, exit that version of you to become the version of you that you're telling me you want to be. I, I, that's the magic wand to me. I always give that uh-huh. to my clients. Okay, if you had a magic wand, how would you change things? Exit strategy mentality Yeah. in a relationship. In relationship, we just don't mean husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend type of thing. We mean family or even Anybody. your coworkers or friends yeah. or anything you have that type of, of, of relationship bubble. I think it's first getting clear on what do you want it to be? Because sometimes we don't even take enough of a pause to say, do we want this at all anymore? whatever this exchange is. Do you even really want this or are you just in a habit for it, right? Is this just something that has become part of who you tell other people you are, but it's really a role you no longer want to play or you don't want to even be that person? And really, you have to do that self-inner work first before you get super clear before you start to have the dialogue with the other person on that change. And I find that for me, In my history coming up, it was much easier to do it in business and in career life because it was, it could be transactional and it was all about my career growth. So for me at the age of, I was 23, I hit a glass ceiling in my job. For example, I easily could have stayed at that job at 23, when you're out of college and you're telling me there's no growth here in this business. I'm like, no, thank you. (laughs) I realized that I will never let the limitations of others become my own. That was the lesson I learned at 23. And so fortunate that I did come across that person who created that glass ceiling for me. So then growth, I realized was a core value of mine. And I resigned from that job without a job in play because I was 23. I was like, this is the beginning of my career. I know I have some value here, right? So I ended that that container that no longer served me. It was smaller than what I wanted for myself. And I made sure then as I designed what I moved into next, that it was growth-based, that it would allow me to excel, that I would get as many skills as possible. When I got into the next company that did have that value system, I got promoted every six months because I was determined to stand in my value system and make sure I surrounded myself with the value system that worked for me. And that's some of the concepts I share in my Lead with Value book because I was like, what was it that actually propelled me to go from a business analyst at 23 to a senior director of mergers and acquisitions by 29? was that I had this exit in mind. I knew that I would outgrow a role and I, I would have the vision for what's next. I had to make sure, though, that what I built stayed intact. That's an exit strategy. So I made sure then that I took on that when I took on the next role, I was training my replacement. Next role, training my replacement. Total different department I had to take over. I had to make sure what I built stayed managed. And then I grew into the next role. So I have a continuous development internal cycle 
that I go through, which requires exit strategy to move on to what's next. So when I practice it in career, then I noticed the common denominator of what you just described to me, Tony, of if it's in your business, if it's in relationships, if it is me, I'm the common denominator. So the practices I have in one area, why not try and apply it in another? And I did not master relationships by any means by the time I was 30, but I definitely mastered my career. So then between 30 and 35, at that time, I was like, what am I like in my health? What am I like in my relationships? And I started to use the same practices towards the other areas to see, does it fit? How do I exit if it doesn't fit? You can give me every single type of eating habit out there. I've probably tried it until I found the right one, but I had to exit one to start another, right? Right. You see how it needs to be in flow. Mm -hmm. So in relationships, it's the hardest one because each of you are coming with your own identity. Each of you are coming with your own habits and you're feeling like you don't want to disappoint. We as women were trained to be quiet and listen, at least my generation, and not to rock the boat. So what did that turn me into was someone who knew how to maneuver by mirroring, and then create the accolades to then lead, where then I could build somebody to follow or build a team, a company, whatever that is. But when it comes to relationships, I did not have healthy stories around what it means to be in a healthy actual romantic type of relationship. And it took a lot of practice (laughs) and a lot of exits. (laughs) And I'm still in the process of, because every version of me requires a different level of attraction to someone else. Which is a really good point, right? Because we change constantly. Constantly. Our expectations can't, but our values tend to, like the core values tend to stay there. And it's about honoring those core values. That's such a great point, isn't it? The fact that when you get into a situation with a relationship, it's two entities. Yeah. And it, right. it, 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 getting into a situation like that, have you found personally or with women that you've worked with, then is there a level of almost disappointment or an unrealistic expectation of what those men can actually provide or to or contribute to the relationship? Well, I think what's missing is how to have a dialogue about it, how to have a dialogue around the disappointment when you are trying to thrive in your own everything that you're told you can have, and yet you don't have a partner exchange that like meets you where you are and helps elevate that because they were not even given the dialogue on to, to grow themselves, right? So that's where... The mismatches, if one partner is all about growth and what's next and the other Mm -hmm. one is stay the course, Mm -hmm. the one who's always about the what's next tends to carry the burden of is this relationship going anywhere because they're growing past it. Yeah, because their perception is changing. They're looking to evolve and to expand it where the other person's, I'm good in the little bubble here that we started with, but it never, things never stay the same. And that's a huge concept in terms of when I used to deal with couples therapy stuff, that'd be the case. So in regards to giving the clients or giving the listeners a little bit of a plan or an exercise, what are three, four, five questions that they can create and sit down to develop some sort of an exit strategy for their current or soon to be or future relationships? 
You want to cast a vision first and foremost, like what do you want it to be? Because it's really hard to change something from what it is if you don't know the difference, like what is the difference you want? So that in business, I call that goal setting, right? But in relationships, I would call that desires. Like what is it that you truly desire you want more of? And make sure you're clear on that. Then you need to assess. So the evaluate model I use, which is my retrospective exercise that I use in business, you can easily use this in relationships too. And I run a monthly call on my Hey Kareem platform if you ever want to join that. And I facilitate these three questions that drive into a, a clear action because I'm all, I'm all about action. If you're not living it, you don't know for sure. And then you're just thinking about it. So it's, mm-hmm. what's the point, right? Yeah. <laughs> At least for exactly. me. Exactly. <laughs> you can sit and think about it in your room all day long. Nothing's going to change, yeah. right? And it'll create resentment and frustration, <sighs> illness, and all the baggage heaviness that people complain about. Mm-hmm. You want to do something about it, you can come into my ethos because I'm all about action. <laughs> You're right. Exactly. <laughs> so the questions are really simple. Number one is what is going really well? I don't think we do enough of what is going really well and celebrate that in order to say, look, it's not like we're in a dire situation. There are some good things here that are worth keeping that we should still continue to do. So make sure you focus on that first. When you think about the goal of the shift you're trying to go towards. The second question then is what's not working? What should we stop doing? So when relationship, it's things like I should really stop holding my inner voice in and expressing it outwardly a little bit more, but I should, or I should stop saying I'm fine when I'm not right. Right. (laughs) Whatever that is, but be honest, what do you need to stop doing that will help inch you towards what that desired outcome is? And then the third question is what do you need to start doing? So now you've done a bit of an evaluation of what's not working, what you need to stop doing, what you need to start doing that'll help inch you towards it. Oh, I'm, I need to write a love letter to my loved one at least twice a week. I need to start doing that. I need to take better care of myself so that the burden is not on the other person so much. Like, why am I asking all of this other person when I myself am not cared for? I need to start reaching out, telling the people I love how much I love them just so I can feel love every day. Whatever that is, start doing, again, towards that desired outcome. And then the fourth step is, okay, what's one action? One action. Because if we overwhelm ourselves with too much, but one action in a time frame, one action in the next 30 days that I can do that will help me inch towards that desired outcome based on now this really brief assessment I just did on how it's going right now. And I think if we could do that in incremental steps and continue to use this tool over and over again against that goal. So I do things for business every 30 days. If I'm really trying to achieve that thing faster, it's every week I'm doing this exercise Mm -hmm. because I am forward propelling person, but use it. Um, Don't go past 30 days because then you might not be taking action at all. So maybe you have to check in on why you're not taking action and do that thing. <laughs> but that's a tool that I, I think works really well because it allows you to let go of things you don't need to, to keep doing and add in the things that will help inch you towards what it is you're trying to achieve. A hundred percent. And the thing is that the what's not working and about speaking up and owning your space. And that's where from a woman's perspective, that's where they're, I don't deserve it. The, a lot of the systemic programming 
the stuff yeah. growing up as a kid, yeah. all the conditioning. And then typically that's a sticking point with my clients in terms of getting them to just own it and be okay to express themselves and to own their space. And I like the, to ask the question too, when that comes up and how's that working for you? Only just for them to look inwards, because sometimes you could stay in that cycle of questioning mm-hmm. and saying you want something different, but obviously it's working in some way. It's not a facetious trying to make them feel shamed. It's more of a, but how's that working for you? By being this way, what does that provide you? And do you want to continue? Are you worried about that not being provided for you anymore? Because now you're going to shift into the greatness and the confident woman that you are. Yeah. Sometimes it's a self-fulfilled prophecy because it's the fear of who they lose if they change is actually what's underlining a lot of why they won't, which is why that works for them. So it is to hold the space for them to say, yeah, it's freaking scary to know that you not being the people pleaser doormat person that because I had those years. I know exactly that stance. And it Mm -hmm. sucks. It's like the heaviest weight, the darkest clouds, the inner pain that you feel when you're not being seen and heard for who you truly are. Mm -hmm. But knowing that like on the other side, when you actually take that stance, there's others out there. If the ones you're immediately interacting with don't understand your change of role in yourself that will love and adore you and be so proud to know you for you being true to you. That, that's a, such a great point because that's the only identity that you perhaps have known or developed. And you feel as though if I go out, it's just too scary. It's too much space. There's too much of a free fall, too much of the unknown outside of that. And, yeah. and so then that keeps them there. There's not enough leverage to get out. So that's great. Kareen, thank you so much. And if anybody wants to get a hold of you, your coaching program, your breath work, the coaching call, where can they go? So all things Kareen are kareenwalsh.com slash links to get access to everything. (laughs) That's good. That's the, yeah, that's the warehouse of your 12, Uh, 15 different things, right? You want to connect with me directly. I show most of my life on Instagram. So if you want to connect there, follow and then DM me that way. But yeah, I'm pretty accessible. Perfect. Thanks, Green. I really appreciate that. And I've got a new ebook out. Uh, I'm going to put the link of it in the show notes as well. And you can go to tonydufresne.com. And if you can't spell it, because nobody can, you can go to theconfidencedoc.com as well. And that's my new website. And again, any questions, comments, concerns, uh, funny jokes, or whatever the case may be, go right ahead. Thanks again. And I will see you next week. 